0: Okay, so now I want to share something with you. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? I must confess, when I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. Where do I go to record my podcast? Where do I find background music? How do I get my show on Spotify or iTunes or any other platform? How do I make money from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. I did my research, and after experimenting with a lot of platforms, I decided that Anchor was the best one to start my own podcast. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and very easy to use. Not only that, but Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast, and you can get paid right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now. So if you always wanted to start your own podcast and make money by doing so, go to anchor.fm slash start and join me along with a diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. Once again, anchor.fm slash start and I'm looking forward to hear your podcast. Welcome to Mastering Money Matters, where financial education is the path to freedom. Please welcome your host, Sarah Shavir. Okay, so you are in for a treat today because we have a guest speaker. This is our first guest speaker. i actually interviewing Robert Farrington from the College Investor. And the reason I'm doing that is because... Have you ever noticed that the cost of college degrees they keep going up, but the value of college is not really going up as much. Of the over the past decades, the university prices they went up three times. And um, that has been forcing more students to get actual more student loans and getting in more debt, to the point that today. The student loan debt is about $1.5 trillion and the average student have an, about $37,000 in student loans. That is without counting the interest rate that they have to pay on all these loans. So imagine $37,000, what could that get you? Maybe it can get you a brand new car. Maybe is the down payment, about 10% down payment on a $370,000 home and so forth, you know, basically that's a lot of food and champagne anyway. So the statistics are pretty alarming when it comes to student loans, and that's why I have decided to invite Robert Farrington from the College Investor in order to tell us a little bit more about this topic. And he's going to be answering some great questions for us. So I'm not gonna keep uh, hanging out, uh, you know, like making you wait anymore. And let's go into the interview. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Hello, Sarah Nation. And welcome. This is the Financially Fit Network and the Financially Fit Women with Sarah Shavir. And I am so happy, so excited to have you here today because we are in for a treat. We have Robert Farrington visiting us today. And he is the founder of The College Investor, which is a personal finance site dedicated to help people get out of student loan debt and start investing. And he is a student student loan debt expert and knows how to navigate the complex system of student loans in the United States today. And we will learn a lot more about that and obviously about The College Investor, Robert Farrington. How are you today?
1: I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here.
0: Oh, I'm so glad that you're here because this is this is a topic that I that I feel that and think that is super important for people I, totally. to know about. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, uh, just before we get into it, tell me a little bit about it. What about you? What what inspired you to create this brand and this business?
1: Yeah, so I started this 10 years ago when I was finishing up college, so that's why it's called The College Investor, and I had this crazy idea that I was going to share my thoughts on investing, and I don't know who thought they'd listen to like a 22-year-old kid about like how they're going to invest, but whatever, I tried it, I started blogging, but then I started having issues with my student loan servicer, and I wrote a blog post about how they weren't applying my payments correctly, and how it was like, they tried to say I was late on a payment, but I wasn't. And I started getting a lot of comments from other people that were like, that happened to me, or that's like, that's the problems I'm dealing with. So then I really started understanding that I wasn't alone in, you know, dealing with my student loan debt. And so I started really focusing on helping people get a student loan debt so that we could get to this point of investing and building wealth early. Because the other feedback I got was, you know, I really love investing. I want to build wealth but I can't yet because I have these student loans and they're a problem for me. And so that's really how The College Investor has come about today. So fast forward 10 years and we talk a lot about helping people get out of student loan debt and finding the best ways to do it so that they can start investing and building wealth as early as possible.
0: That's amazing, and I feel, I think, again, I think that this is so important. Like, what, do you know what is the the percentage or the average debt uh, or student loan debt in the United States per, household per capita or or like. Mm-hmm. Um, like. So yeah.
1: they haven't released the latest stats yet. So these are about a year old, but the average debt now is about $38,000 per, per student that graduates. And this was, I think the class of 2017, because we don't have the, the 2018 numbers yet, but that's scary, right? It's like $38,000 a person. And there's over 44 million people in the United States with student loan debt
0: Wow. Do you know by and any chance, obviously, I
1: don't of student... Are you there?
0: Yeah, sorry. You got cut off for a moment. Can you repeat that? Saying,
1: yeah, and the total amount of student loan debt in the United States is $1.5 trillion. Oh, it's gosh. just outrageous how much it's growing. Um, and it's not going down. So, like, the numbers are going to keep rising for the foreseeable future, which is really scary.
0: Do you know by any chance how many students uh how how many students get into student loans but they have no other choice but to get loans
1: yeah about 60 percent of all students take out some form of student loan um you know it's a part of just paying for college these days good or bad but you know student loans themselves aren't necessarily bad uh just like any kind of debt if you use it effectively as a tool it can be helpful for you but where people get in problems is that you're expecting a 17 year old right before we go to college when you're 17 years old are you really like understanding of what student loans are and are you really sure about what you want to do in your life that you can pay off these loans and so i think that's the bigger problem that we have is that we're putting a lot of responsibility on young adults that have really no financial education in the united states and we're expecting them to make big choices with money that can impact them for their whole lives.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely true. There's so, so much lack of financial education and financial literacy. I actually, you know, like that's something that I promote, right? That's my whole brand is about that, you know, financial freedom is the, you know, financial education is the path to financial freedom. So in the case of the millennials, for example, uh, how can we help them with their finances? Because, you know, they're finding themselves that, Maybe their parents don't have the money to, um, to help them with college, and college is getting pretty outrageous. So uh, what, what do you suggest for them?
1: It is. I mean, if we're talking about paying for college, the most important thing you can do is think about your ROI, is your return on investment. So just like any other investment, going to college is an investment in your future, right like you're paying all this money to get a degree because you're hoping to get a good job when you graduate so that you can earn more money to pay back any debt you took out right it is a total investment but i don't think we think about it as like a monetary investment so what i really advocate is think about how much you're spending and how much you're going to earn and you should never borrow more than you expect to earn in your first year after graduation so if you want to be a teacher. Be a teacher, that's phenomenal. But you're probably only gonna make about 38, $40,000 a year your first year after college. So you should not borrow more than that because if you do, you're gonna struggle and you're really gonna regret your career choice and your college choices for decades to come. But if you wanna be an engineer, maybe the computer programmer or something, you might make $60,000 know, after you graduate in your first job. Well, then you could probably borrow to that amount because you'll be able to afford it and service that debt when you graduate. But these people that really get themselves in trouble are ones that become over-educated and underexperienced. So they're going to get graduate degrees, they're racking up 150000 in student loan debt, and they're only going to make $60,000, $65,000 a year. Well, the math just doesn't work out and you're going to struggle. So you really have to think about your return on investment on the dollars you're spending on your education. And I get abashed a lot on this, because people are like, "Education's good. Education's good for you." And it's like, "Well, you could go online and get educated, but you don't have to spend any money to do that. Like, if you're gonna spend money and invest in yourself, you need to have a clear path to uh, your return on investment, right there."
0: Well, let me see if I understand. So, if you have, if you're gonna get a salary on your career that is sixty thousand you should not have student loans that are over 60,000 is that what correct
1: yep so for your four years of college or five years you should not borrow more than that and if you're thinking that you have to well then maybe you need to reassess where you're going to school maybe you go to community college for your first two years and then you finish for your next two years at a state school because honestly after five years nobody cares where you went to college I, you know, like when you're 22 and your first job, it matters a little bit, but even then it's really like how you interview and other things, but it could get you your ticket in the door. But after like five years after graduation, they only care about your experience. Where you went to school, you went to some fancy private school, nobody cares.
0: Okay, so now um, that we have solved that problem for the people that are planning to go to college, what about the ones that has already gone to college and now they have they're racking all, all of these student loans? Now they're no longer the fair, right? Because it's right. my understanding that if you keep your student loan debt for ten years, just paying the minimum, you ended up paying double. Of what you actually borrow, bar- and I don't know if that's true or not. You you can probably tell me more about that.
1: Yeah, well, so first thing is is when you're when you graduate and you get your first bill for your student loans, and you have federal loans, you automatically default into the ten year repayment plan, and this plan will pay off your loans in ten years. And yes, based on today's interest rates, you're probably going to pay double, uh, not even double, maybe like two thirds. You know two-thirds in interest and more than what you actually borrowed, Um, but it's a sizable amount because you're paying 6.8% interest over 10 years. It, It does add up, but what the problem is, is most people get that first bill and they get scared because they don't know if they can afford it, and they don't realize that there's a lot of repayment plan options out there to help them afford and navigate their student loans. So the best thing you can do if you're paying back your student loans is find the repayment plan that is affordable for you, that you can make the payments on every single month without fail. Don't worry so much about the interest at first. Don't worry about your loans growing. Just make your monthly payments on time every single month, because where the bulk of people get into trouble, It's because they don't make their payments on time, and then things get really out of hand. Your loans go into collections, and then there's your credit, and all kinds of bad things happen. So don't worry about the interest, don't worry about that. Find the repayment plan that is affordable for you, because the goal with everything is that your income is gonna grow. Your lowest paid year is probably your first year after school because you're probably going to get raises and promotions and new jobs down the road. So when you're first repaying your loans, just find the plan that's affordable.
0: Yeah, that that makes total sense. So basically, and then obviously I'm thinking that if they are starting to pay their student loans is because they have a low end job, but as their job you know, as they're growing their career and they get promotions and their salary goes up, then obviously they probably will be able to uh, pay off their loan, their student loans a lot faster, right?
1: That's the goal, right? Like you went to college to get advancement in the workplace, but we all have to start at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Nobody starts as like a C-suite executive. Everyone starts at the entry level job, you know, it doesn't matter where it is. So like just start and your income should grow over time but there's also things that you can do today to really make progress like you could go out and side hustle you could go out and earn more money Um, you know there's a lot of phrases my
0: next question actually yeah go for it what are are some practical ways to make more money yeah so
1: the cool thing is, is we live in this day and age where you can earn money anytime, anywhere on your own terms. Like people bash driving for Uber and Lyft because they don't make a lot of money, but where else could you at two in the morning from your house, turn on an app on your phone and get work with no boss, no commitment, nothing? And the cool thing with these apps is that like Uber, you get paid out every single day. So like you could literally leave your driveway, earn a hundred dollars, come home, cash it out, where else can you do that? And so that's where I think that, um, you know, people really get caught up in that, like, well, I don't earn a lot of money. Well, you're right, you don't earn a lot of money doing that, but could $100 a month make a big difference in your budget? Or what if you drove every single day for an hour and you're making an extra $400 or $500 a month? Like, that could actually be a really big difference in your starting out budget. And it's not amazing, it's not glamorous, but it makes a big difference when it comes to paying back your student
0: loans. So one thing that I teach my clients regarding that is is the pain or the emotion that you're putting to having that side hustle that maybe, like you say, is not that glamorous, but if you instead of focusing on the on the pain of having to drive that car, for example, and then focus on the emotion of like the excitement that, hey, I'm gonna have for an extra four hundred dollars, then that pain level, that emotion that we have or negative emotion that we have from having to do that, it actually goes down a lot. And then the emotion of like excitement that, hey, I'm gonna have this money and I'm gonna be able to get rid of my dad like sooner. Then it goes up, so you know that's definitely a great tip.
1: And the hard part is, is that we do live in this day and age where we all want instant. Like we want, we want our packages delivered in an hour, and we want rewards immediately. The hard part with money, whether you're paying off debt or saving for the future, is that it's never instant, yes. right? So even if you make that four hundred dollars and you pay off that, you put it towards your loans it doesn't feel like amazing, right? Because it takes months of making that extra $400 payment. And we're talking about reducing like maybe a 10 year loan period to three years. But three years today still feels like a long time, but it's so much better than 10 years. So you're right, it's really hard. You have to like think long term and you have to achieve these results. So and that, that can be the challenge.
0: Yeah, and that's another thing that I tell my clients is delay gratification, embrace anticipation, right? And it's, it's not easy, but it, it happens is, again, it's about changing the emotion, about, in, you know, like instead of seeing the delaying gratification as a negative, seeing the anticipation as a very positive and get excited about that, right? So. Right. Regarding again, regarding the millennials, how can we help them? Well, let me ask you this before I go to that. Obviously, yes, now they have the student loans, right? That probably they could have avoided if their parents probably would have created a plan for them uh, that was, you know, that they they, they they didn't have to um, uh, probably disclose in the FATFA, uh, FACSA application and all that stuff but now obviously they have no choice, The parents never save money for them, now they have to get into student uh, debt. Would you say that they should uh, also, at the same time that they are paying off their student loans, that they should save money for their future?
1: Yes, so I think that you can find that financial balance because just like paying off a debt, the biggest thing that you can do to build wealth for the future is start early. Because there's this saying that is, it's time in the market is so much better than timing the market. And what that means is that if you could start investing, even something little like $50 a month when you're 22, by the time you're you know, in your 50s, that $50 a month has compounded and grown so much that you can literally save a fraction of what you'd have to save by the time you're 50 and you're getting started. So, you know. well, put 350 to your loans, put $50 into an IRA and save that money and watch it grow because you're gonna tackle your debt, Which is huge, but like you're gonna get so much compounding out of that. Even that little tiny bit that you invest can go a long way in your future. But once again, it's a long term gain because if you do $50 a month, that's $600 a year. Even if that earns 10%, which is like a great return in the stock market, right? that means you made $60. (laughs) And that doesn't feel really good because you're like, I did all this work and I made $60. But the thing is, is that $60 is going to grow again the next year. And then it's going to grow again the next year. It's going to grow again the next year. And that $60 continues to grow by the time, like you said, you're in your 50s. It's now doubling, you know, tens of thousands of dollars that you're going to be able to see grow. And that makes a huge difference.
0: Yes. And a lot of times, we think um, on terms of simple interest instead of compounded interest, and obviously, yep. like they're saying, well, you know, like if I save one hundred dollars for thirty years, that's only thirty six thousand dollars. Like they're not thinking about how the compounded interest multiply the multiply the money that you are actually putting away for yourself right. and your future, right?
1: Exactly. And it really makes a big difference. And the problem is, is you don't see it at the beginning mm-hmm. because that interest is so small at first, but it grows exponentially, um, into this huge number that, you know, you'll just be so thankful that you started early.
0: Yes. And let's talk about other thing because, uh, some millennials, they don't want, they don't want to go to college. Or they go to college, but they want to become entrepreneurs. What is your uh, take on that?
1: That's fine. I don't think college is for everyone and or it's not necessarily for you right after high school when you're 17 or 18 years old. I think the best thing that you can do with college is go to college with a purpose. So if you know you want to be a teacher, go be a teacher. You need to go to college and you get your degree and you get your certificate Mm -hmm. and do that. But if you don't know what you wanna be yet, go work for a year or two. Go travel if you save some money. Like try different things out and then see if you need to go to college to go where you wanna go. Um, because honestly, it's expensive. And so I say that college is not the time to find yourself. If you already know what you wanna do and who you wanna be, go for it. But if you don't, don't spend 30, 40, $50,000 or more to like try to figure something else out. Like, there's lots of career paths. There's vocational school. There's just work. You could go in the military. You can try to start a business. And you know what? There's nothing to say that you start a business, you fail in two years, and then you go to school after that. But I tell you what, that story will probably get you an interview in your first job better than someone that had no experience and then you know tries to get a job as well. So like you can comp- you can put things together for yourself that are outside of just a high school college career path.
0: That is an amazing advice because I know, like some of my girlfriends, they spent 12 years in college because after four years, they realized that what they were studying is not what they wanted. (laughs) And then they started a new career and then they need to get their master or their PhD on that. So that's a lot of years spending in college because they realized that what they wanted was what they started studying was not what they really wanted. So I I I think that's a great advice. So thank you for and sharing that.
1: Totally. And you can honestly get yourself in a lot of trouble. So we have a I have a friend that had the same thing happen that she wanted to be a doctor. So she went to the whole med school path, took on like two hundred and twenty five thousand dollars in student loans and realized that she hates being a doctor. But now she has no choice. So she's like, she has a 10-year plan and she has to be a doctor for 10 years basically to get her loans paid off and gone before she could go do something else because there is no other career or anything that she can do to eliminate $225,000 in student loans. And so she has to hate her job every year, every day for 10 years just because of that choice that she made.
0: And student loans is probably one of the, only debts that you cannot file bankruptcy on it or like, like really, you know, you have to pay it off no matter what.
1: You do it. And I think it's important for people to realize. So like when you get a mortgage, the collateral is the house. And when you get a car note, the collateral is the car, right? So if you don't pay your car note, well, they just repo your car. But do you know the collateral on student loans is your earnings? So if you don't pay your student loans, it's your earnings, it's oh. your money, it's your income. Oh, okay. And so if you don't pay your student loans, they'll garnish your wages, they will take your tax refund, they'll even take your social security if you delay this out. Because oh, wow. the, the collateral is your ability to earn. And so there is, you know, you can get forgiveness and you can get bankrupt you can get bankruptcy on your student loans, but you have to prove that you're never gonna be able to earn money again for the rest of your life. And so that's why it's so rare that people get bankruptcy for their student loans. Because when you're talking to someone when they're 28 years old, you're trying to tell a judge that you're never gonna earn a dime for 70 more years. You're not even gonna get social security. Like the judge just looks at you like, that's not true. And that's why you don't get your loans discharged in bankruptcy. And I think people don't realize that the collateral is earnings.
0: Yeah. So what do you see millennials today? What do you see them going? What is their mindset, their mentality, and even the ones that are like uh, growing now? Like, where where do you think they're going? With college? Do you think college is going to be around in 10 years? Let's start with that.
1: Totally. Yes, college is going to be around in 10 years and college is going to be around forever. Like, there's no changing that. I think a few things will happen, though. I think more and more people are going to realize that college isn't the only way. And I think as a society, we need that because there's also a lot of studies done that more and more people are not going into the trades. And we're always going to need plumbers and we're always going to need electricians, but they're retiring because they're boomers and there's no one to fill in this gap behind them. But you want to know what's really cool is that you can own a plumbing business and make $150,000 a year. So like, I think there's a lot of potential for millennials and other, you know, the next generation behind that to go into these service industries and trade industries that don't necessarily require going to college. And I think we're going to see people that went to college, didn't like their job, and they're going to switch careers and start going into these to fill these gaps as well. I think the big thing is, is we just have to really start educating our youth on the ROI. And I think as millennials become a bigger generation in the voting booth and different things, we'll start seeing reforms around financial literacy for middle schoolers and high schoolers so that they can be more informed on their choices. We're actually seeing this right now. Yeah, two states, I want to say like South Carolina and Florida, just recently passed a law that require personal finance to be taught in high school. So like things like that make a big difference on what career paths and education paths people will choose.
0: Yeah, and Utah is actually uh, enforced too, like a, a class, a finance class in high school. But it's only five states. You know, We still have a long way to go, 45 more to go, right?
1: Right. Uh, and it's just so common sense. Like
0: in, it, Puerto it, Rico and Guam, which are not state, but they're part of the United States.
1: Right. I mean, it's just, it makes sense. Like, I mean, there's a few things that are very personal and important to people, your health, your family, and your money. Like, you know, and we kind of teach health in high school. Like your family doesn't have anything to teach, but they're part of it. Like we have to talk about money and teach them because like, if you can't pay your bills, if you're not earning it, you're gonna struggle.
0: Yeah, actually my company is going through a huge expansion right now because of the same thing, because of the need of financial literacy and uh, not only that, but most of the financial advisors—they're also retiring because they are—they're baby boomers, right? That they're—they're getting into that age as well. So there's a huge need for that as well. Is something that I promote. But um, I was gonna—I'm gonna go back to the colleges because I'm noticing that. Well, I've been reading about it, and a lot of uh, colleges these days—they are not being able to cover their expenses. You know, they're sure. uh, obviously. It seems that they're needing government funding. And then a lot of colleges are also implementing the online uh, degrees, right? Uh, Because of the way technology and and internet and everything is going. So what is your take on that?
1: Well, the problem that we got to is, you know, it's the chicken and the egg. So student loans cause this, but colleges went along with it and it just goes in this circle, right? Because when there's no backstop, when, when basically you can borrow any amount of money to pay for college for free, no credit check, no nothing, well, colleges know this, right? So they could raise the price for $2,000 this year because they know that every single one other students that enrolled can get a loan to cover that $2,000 more and there's no credit check, no nothing required. Wow. And then What happens is, is that colleges are competing, they're competing, it's a business, right? They're competing for students. So beyond the education, you have to pay, you know, really good professors to come, you have to buy them labs to do their work. And then you have to like do extra, so, you know, if a student has a choice between a brand new dorm room with a really state-of-the-art gym or a 1970s dorm room with no recreation facilities, like, which one are the students going to choose? And that's what these colleges have been doing for the last 10, 20 years, is they've been competing against each other spending a lot of money, and then passing that money on to their students, who they know can always pay it because of student loans.
0: Wow! And so
1: it's this chick, you know, it's a chicken and the egg thing, because like, what what are you going to do, though? Like, colleges are competing with each other, and they can't necessarily stop. But like, the government needs to figure out a way to tamp down the amount that students can borrow because if there is a hard limit on borrowing, well then suddenly their customers, university's customers, won't be able to pay it. And then they will be forced to make choices around lowering the cost of education, to you know be more competitive to attract those borrowers or attract those students to their schools. Um, and I, I think that it's hard. It's it's a very, it's it's a lot of economics, there's a lot of public policy, there's a lot of emotion. Um, In the whole entire thing and and there's no easy solution it will definitely take the act of legislation to do something um there's no way around that but you know there's a lot of money involved which is a problem for that legislation to happen
0: i know i know so uh why do you think it's so important uh well what would you tell this is the final question uh, for about this. What would you tell this, the students right now, the ones that are getting, you know, their student loans right now? What What final advice would you tell them?
1: You know, at the end of the day, it's still your money your life, your student loan debt, so you have to make the best decision for you. Like, yes, the situation is not great. Like, yes, it does cost a lot of money. Yes, there's all this politics and economics and everything involved. But at the end of the day, it's still you. You're the one that has to borrow that money. You're the one that has to pay for college. Is it the right choice for the ROI that you wanna get on your life and your education? And are there alternatives? You know, go to community college, work while you're in school. You know, another mind-blowing statistic, and this was from FastWeb. So FastWeb is a scholarship website. About every year, there's $4 billion in scholarships that go unclaimed. Oh, wow. So free money out there that people aren't applying for. And I'll tell you, I run a scholarship on my site as well. I give away $2,000. Wow. Every year, about 120 people apply to that scholarship. Okay. But do you know how many people actually follow the directions? Only about 15 people every year. So I literally can eliminate 100 applications in about 20 minutes because they didn't put their full name or their address or a headshot or whatever the directions were. It's just mind-blowing to me. Like, so like when you're thinking about like applying for scholarships, it's a great way to pay for college. I know people that have paid $100,000 towards college with scholarships because they spent the time and applied, and the odds are good. I mean, on my scholarship alone, the odds are like 1 in 10, 1 in 15, because so many people just don't follow the rules. Wow. And that with every scholarship I've ever spoken to. And so if you are diligent, you apply. Like, there's so many ways to pay for college. There's more than loans. You could work. You could apply for scholarships. You could apply for grants. Like, you can do these things, but no one does the work. And and so just realize that it doesn't have to be this end all of student loans or not going to college.
0: That is awesome. And then um, I guess I'm going to add another question. Uh, What about what would you suggest to the parents of the little kids right now that at some point will need to go to college? So
1: parents, you have to take care of yourself first. And this sounds weird, but like, you have to save for your own retirement and pay off your own debts before you even think about paying for your kid's college. Because like, it's like the airplane thing. You have to put the oxygen mask on yourself before you help your kid, because if you are passed out financially, you're not going to be able to support them. And so like, you have to save for yourself. Like, like we just talked about, there are a million ways to pay for college. They can get student loans. They can apply for scholarship. They can apply for grants, but you can't get a loan for retirement. And so if you don't pack that money away for yourself, like all you're going to end up doing is burdening your kids in 10 years and asking to move in with them and having them help you with your bills because you didn't plan for it. And so should you really pay for their college if you don't pay for yourself first? So take care of yourself first. And then if you have any extra money left over, you can save that for your kids college, but take care of yourself first.
0: That's actually a great advice. Uh, One thing that, uh, unfortunate that that is kind of like unfortunate is that uh a lot of parents they focus on that on saving for college and they put the uh kids money on gerber or 529 plans and then when the kids graduate from high school they say oh i don't want to go to college and then now that money is sitting there Right. Or they have to pay penalties in order to be able to take it out. Or they have to like just give it to like their grandkids or something like that. Wait, You know, like that money is like right there and they cannot even use it for themselves. So um, thank God that I was able to find other options that allowed to grow their money right without, you know, losing without the risk and then tax exempt. And then they can actually, the parents can use it for themselves or they can use it for the kids. If the kids don't want to go to college and they want to buy a house or they want to start a business, at least they can use that money for that. So there are other products out there that a lot of people don't know that they're available that they can actually use in order to save for whatever need. It doesn't have to be specific. Like the 529 plans and Gerber's and all that, uh, and other ones that are so limited in that sense. I don't know if you know about that, but
1: no, totally. And I think 529 plans are great, but like you said, they're not for everybody. And on the flip side, like the parents do need to take care of themselves first. Like, you know, you know it's just I see it too often where it's like they, they paid for their kids' college and now they're struggling and they're afraid to tell their children that but it's like it all comes full circle
0: (laughs) yes I definitely love that advice absolutely oh my gosh Robert this has been like amazing like so much great information and I know that you have even more what is it that you have what gift do you have for the audience today
1: yeah, so we have our free five-day Get Out of Student Loan Debt email course. And I know you're going to link to it, uh, yes. but it's over at thecollegeinvestor.com and you can sign up. And I literally walk you through over five days exactly what you need to do with your student loans. You're not going to be overwhelmed. It handles almost every student loan situation, uh, helps you get organized, and you know will help you get on the right path for the future of your student loan debt.
0: That is awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that because, again, I know that they're looking for ways to get out of uh, their debt. and, uh, And unfortunately, sometimes when we don't have the solutions, we focus so much on that instead of like the money making activities. So, like by you offering this to the audience, they, now they they have the solution, they don't have to worry about it anymore, they can make the plan, and now they can focus on many you know making money, which is the most important part, right?
1: absolutely there's no magic bullet, but at least when you take the five day course, you'll know and have your plan and can work that plan, and then you can start actually thinking logically about your solutions. do you earn more, do you save more like Look at your budget, and you can actually have a rational decision um, yep. about what you want to do with your financial life.
0: Perfect, perfect. All right. So now, what I want to do is I want to ask you some fire shot question. I ask this to all my speakers; kind of fun. So the right. Question is: Do you like coffee, tea, or neither?
1: No, oh, I'm a coffee drinker. Every morning, got to have a couple cups of coffee.
0: All right. And how do you like your coffee?
1: Uh, just a little sugar and a little cream. Perfect. Actually, spl- Splenda, though. We got to we gotta watch those calories.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> Good, <nice>. Splenda. <laughs> All right. And what is your morning routine? Do you have a morning routine?
1: I don't. I'm actually the anti-morning person. I hate it. If I didn't have kids, I don't think I'd wake up before 8 o'clock in the morning. Okay. But I got to get them to school. Um, but I'm a night person, so uh, I do like to work at night. But I do have some routines that I always do every day. So one of the things I do as a small business owner is – I go in, I'm a sauna junkie, so I check my to-do list, but I also check my revenue every day. And that is a very motivating and inspiring thing for me. So like on those days that like you just don't feel like getting things done, like you start the day by checking your previous day's earnings and revenue, and it can give you that little extra motivation push to, you know, get through some of the grinding work that you don't always want to do.
0: That's actually pretty cool. I'm going to start doing that. <laughs> I'm going to add it to my routine. That's there you go. It. And then um what are you reading or listening right now?
1: You know, I I'm a podcast junkie cuz the, the kids do not give me a lot of reading time. So I do read a lot of I listen to a lot of personal finance podcasts. Um I listen to Tim Ferriss's podcast, probably one of my favorites, long form, interesting interviews. Uh, I really enjoy listening to. Uh, I actually listen to Pat Flynn's podcast, Smart Passive Income. Uh, really interesting one on online entrepreneurship and small business as well.
0: That's pretty cool. I actually just started my podcast, so that's I'm pretty excited about that too. Uh, my nice. Money Podcast. So yes, right. I absolutely love Tim Ferriss. I I love uh, what he does and how he, all the interviews that he does. That's perfect. All right, right. and then um, what is your simple pleasure do you have a simple pleasure
1: i I love watching movies so you know because my mind does go all the time i find that watching a movie and i love like really cheesy action movies like like armageddon is like the perpetual one like you know it's super cheesy like you got them like drilling on an asteroid like all that kind of stuff but what it does is it allows me i it's just fun and it allows my mind to shut down. So I know other people read or different things, but like by watching a movie, I can kind of just check out, let my mind shut down, um, and just enjoy it.
0: Okay, perfect. Thank you for sharing all that. Now now people know a little bit more about you on a personal level. Well, yeah. oh, actually, and how many kids do you have?
1: I have two kids. I have a five year old and a two year old.
0: Okay, perfect. All right. So they, they will be going to college, you <laughs> know. All right. Well, again, thank you so much for being here. And don't forget uh to the audience that to get his uh, his course he's obviously an email course, so make sure that to take advantage of that so you can learn the in and outs of getting out or getting away from the student debt. And uh again, Robert, thank you so much for being here and I'm looking forward to collaborate and hear from you a lot more. Awesome. Thank you for having me. This has been fun. Ciao.